Hey, everybody, welcome to Joy Church Online. Thanks for sticking with us through technical difficulties and uh, all of that. Hopefully, you're having a wonderful time in the presence of God wherever you are with your kids, with your family, enjoying this time uh, where we're all gathered together. We're socially distanced, right? Well, hopefully, you're, you're following the rules there, but we're not spiritually distanced. We're connected in Christ and connected in His presence. So, I know that this is going to be an encouraging time for you, and uh, we're going to jump into the message that I know is going to be helpful for you, really going to encourage you and equip you to deal with what we're walking through as a community, wherever you may be. So, uh, but just before that, I want to give you a couple of quick announcements. So here at Joy Church, even though we are online, we are not stopping. The church is not closed. People are saying, oh, is church closed? Is it uh, not happening? No, we're absolutely not closed. In fact, we're very much open, not physically in our buildings, but we're open to get together, to connect, to grow spiritually, and to fulfill the mission of Jesus, to serve one another, to help one another, and stay spiritually active in our community, stay spiritually active with one another. And part of the way we're doing that is by all the online events we have throughout the week, stuff happening for all ages. So there's content for kids, things happening for kids. We actually have stuff happening for students on a regular basis. We've, we have something for young adults that's happening this week. And I think started, was that last night? You guys started Friday night? And that's happening Friday night this week. And even for the adults, because when do you cross from being a young adult to an adult? I think Bethany and I looked at each other one day and we were like, I think we're just adults now. We don't get to call ourselves young adults. We're just adults. Uh, we have something for adults as well. Wednesday night, the midweek service, and uh, you get to join me uh, coming to you live from my studio. We're doing worship and uh, giving a message. It's a great time. So there's something for all ages. You can go to joyeugene.com. That's joyeugene.com and get all the info and links and all that stuff you need to get connected online, including with Joy Groups, because we are still meeting in groups. We have not stopped doing that. We just took it online and we're, we're really, really helping Zoom out as a company right now by getting on to Zoom groups and connecting with one another. So stay connected. Don't be isolated. Find out and on joyeugene.com how to be connected in all of those things. One announcement that's really exciting is that tonight, Pastor Judah and Melody are going to be hosting First Sunday. So as you know, it is the first Sunday of April. Crazy, isn't it? How fast time is flying. Time flies when you're stuck in a house with your kids, right? No, it does not. But uh, tonight is the first Sunday uh, of the month of April. And every uh, first Sunday of the month, we do a prayer and worship and communion night. And usually we do that together, but tonight we're going to do it online. And so Pastor Judah and Bethany are going to be, or not Pastor Judah and Bethany, Pastor Judah and Melody, there we go. Uh, they're going to be leading this service from their house, doing worship and even leading us in a time of communion. So make sure you get some bread and some grape juice for that. Uh, everybody's going to rush to Fred Meyer and grab all the grape juice. It'll be a rush, not just toilet paper, but, but uh, grape juice and, and communion elements. They're going to do that at 6 p.m. tonight on the Joy Church Public group. So if you're watching this on Facebook right now, you're probably on the Joy Church public page. I know this can be a bit confusing for some, including me, uh, but you want to go to the group. So you go to the group, you request access to that, and that's how you get in. It's kind of the internal group there for Joy Church. So love to see you there, 6 p.m. tonight. Uh, now, last but certainly not least is our opportunity to give. You know, even through this time when there's a lot of fear about the economy, fear about jobs, I know people have even lost their jobs uh, and there's, there's, there's trepidation and fear. It's an unprecedented time economically. We know that our provision, that our provider is not the government. It's not our job. It's not our skills. It is God. He is our provider, the Lord, our provider. And we trust in him for all of our needs. 
And one of the ways that we worship God and one of the ways that we exhibit that trust is by trusting him with our finances and being generous and, and, staying, and staying generous even in the midst of financial crisis and times when things are on the way down. The thing that I've found in my life with my wife and I, we've had a commitment and, a, and a, just a covenant with God to give and be generous is that he has absolutely never let us down. He has always provided for us as we have trusted him with our finances. So at Joy Church, we believe in biblical generosity. We believe in being givers and that really it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so even as we're an online church, all of our ways to give, uh, that's, they go right online and you can do this. It's the easiest way. You go to joyeugene.com slash give. That's joyeugene.com slash give. And you can set up online giving. You can set up text to give. And you can keep your generosity happening even through this time. So Father, thank you for the givers and thank you for the gifts. And we pray a blessing on that seed that is sown. We, we don't look at it as something that's just gone and away. We actually look at it as an investment into your kingdom as our act of obedience and worship to you, and that, Lord, we're planting those seeds, and you're going to bring a harvest in our life of good things. Lord, you are our provider. We put our trust and our faith in you, in you alone. It's our privilege and our, and our opportunity to practice generosity and to give today. We give to you with a joyful and glad heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well, we're going to jump into the message today, and I'm very excited to share a very practical message with you about how we get through trouble and specifically in the area of worry. So one of the things that we're all seeing on social media and on the news, if you get onto the news, which I don't necessarily recommend that you stay connected to it too much because what you're going to hear is bad news, right? There is never uh, good news. If you want good news, you got to hear the gospel. You want bad news, tune into CNN or Fox or ABC or whatever to get uh, what's wrong with the world. And this is something they say in the news. They say, if it bleeds, it leads. So what do you think is happening? And I'm not criticizing news agencies or whatever. This isn't a political thing, not at all. But if it bleeds, it leads. What does that mean? It means that we are attracted to the drama and the negativity as human beings. And that's how news generates those headlines and gets our attention and grasps us in. The problem is if that's what you're feeding on this 24-hour news cycle, you're probably going crazy and you're freaked out because you're hearing everything that's wrong. And there's this tremendous sense of worry. There's this tremendous sense of anxiety. Yesterday, Bethany went to the grocery store and I asked her when she came home, uh, first I said, hey, have you um, gone through our um, complete uh, decontamination chamber that we constructed it? No, I'm just kidding. But I said, hey, what's the mood? What's the atmosphere? She said, it's pretty tense out there. People are kind of on edge. Uh, and you know why? It's because of fear, fear. And whether it's a real thing, a fake thing or whatever, the fear itself is real. The fear that is in our community, the fear that is around the world is very real. And many people are gripped by a fear. So what do we do? To deal with this fear and what do we do to deal with this worry and anxiety that comes? You know, Jesus said, and we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, that trouble is going to come. He said in the book of John, this is a firsthand eyewitness account of what Jesus said by his disciple, John. John 16, 33 says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. This is the words of Jesus. People think, oh, Jesus just says nice things about nice people, nice way. No, he says, you're going to have trouble. You're going to face it. It's going to happen. Not if, but when. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus predicted and said, you're going to face trouble. Now we're going to get through this trouble that we're in. Okay. We're, we're in trouble around the world. There's a virus. There's a pandemic. It's scary. Yes, it is. But we're going to get through. But guess what's going to happen? 
it's going to get better. And then something else will happen. And you go, man, don't bum me out today. No, no, you're going to be encouraged, but you just need to understand life is a roller coaster up and down. Trouble is not if it's when you're going to face trouble. If you've been around the block once or twice, you already know this. And it's not so much that you're looking for trouble, although sometimes we do, but sometimes trouble just finds us because trouble knows our name. Trouble knows where to come and find us even when we're not looking for trouble. So what do we do? How do we deal with the fear and the anxiety and this worry? Maybe right now you're listening to me and you're like, man, I've, been, I've just been consumed with fear. I've been consumed with worry and anxiety. That is not your portion. That is not what you were intended to live like, even in the midst of crisis and fear. You know, and, and I'm just, I'm going to start preaching right now. Is that all right? On this camera, you, this camera that I'm looking at right now, it's beautiful. I mean, I can see right there, but I know on the other side of that camera, you are saying, amen, Pastor Jake, talk to me, tell me, come on, encourage me. Maybe you, right now you're, you're possessed with worry. You're just consumed with it. And I want you to know by the spirit of God, that is not your portion. That is not your inheritance. You're not called to live or designed to live consumed with worry and anxiety. The Lord wants to set you free from that and walk you through this time that we're in. Now, as we get going into this, I want to give you some practical tools for dealing with worry and anxiety. But, you know, I think about tools and the reality is, if you know me, you know, I'm not a handy person. Um, I've done some projects around the house and some of them I've done well. And, you know, I'm happy about that. But the reality is uh, I'm not really a handy person. I'm not mechanical. I don't build things. I don't have those masculine, awesome skills. I need the world of internet and air conditioning and everything to just really survive all this trouble because otherwise I'm, I'm up a creek without a paddle. If I have to go out and kill bears and build cabins, like it's over, right? It's not going to happen. I'm not handy. But the thing is, is I've observed, but I have handy friends. That's I, I hang out with men with large beards who have knives and things that know how to go out into the wilderness and, and carve out an existence. So I'm ready. I've built up friends for myself. At least hopefully I have good enough friends. We'll see. But I'm not a handy person, but I've noticed something about handy people is that the ones that are really good at fixing things, it's not just that they have the skill, because that is what they have, but it's also that they have the right tools. And this is my problem is I'm cheap. So I go to Harbor Freight or wherever, and I buy the, like, the cheapest, worst tool for the job possible. And it usually breaks halfway through the job. And I wonder why I'm struggling so much. And then guys like Kelly King show up and he has like drills that will drill a hole through your wall. And, you know, guys like Ed, they come and they know actually know how to like saw through wood. And I'm there with a pencil sharpener trying to get through it or something, or, you know, a, a Gillette razor. And they're like, you have the wrong tool for the job. This is the picture that you need to understand. This is how most people are equipped to deal with worry is you've got the wrong tool for the job. Therefore, you're never going to get the job done and you're going to struggle with it. But if you had the right tool, the power tool, for the job, you could blaze right through worry, right through anxiety, and see it come to fruition, right? So I want to give you those right tools today, the, the power tools to deal with worry, anxiety, and depression, to deal with these problems that we have. So we're going to jump into the scripture, and I want to read you a passage out of what we call the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians is a letter, okay? And it was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi, which was in the Mediterranean world there. And so this is a, a letter that Paul writes, but you need to know the context of this is that Philippians was written by Paul while he was actually in prison. So this is what we call a prison epistle, right? It's a prison letter. He's writing this from prison. And this, the context of this is that he's been put in jail. He's in a crisis. He's in trouble. But yet listen to the words that he writes to the church in Philippi. He says in verse six, do not be anxious about anything, 
but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it supersedes, it transcends all reality, all observable reality. It's what he's saying here. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay? Now remember, he's writing this from prison. So how is a guy who is literally locked up in a jail, and listen, their jails were not like jails today. And I'm not saying jails today are like a party. I'm not saying that. But the jails back then in first century Roman world, very, very different circumstances. There's no Geneva conventions. There's no uh, regulations. It's basically like, set it and forget it. Like there, there's, it, it's a bad place. How can he say to us, hey, don't be anxious about anything. This is not a Pollyanna, you know, pie in the sky. Oh, God's got it under control, brother. Bumper sticker platitude Christianity. No, Paul was always getting beat up, knocked out, knocked down, chained up, grabbed by mobs. And yet he's the one that says, look, don't be anxious. Don't worry about anything. And within this passage of scripture, we actually have the power tools, the the tools to deal with worry and anxiety and fear right here in plain sight. So what are those tools? Okay, what are those tools? Let's get right into it. Number one, tool number one is this. You need to rule your thought life. You need to rule your thought life. Now, I picked that word very intentionally because we don't like the word rule. If you're an American, like we, oh, rule? What do you mean rule? No, I'm independent. I have freedom. Fourth of July, baby, you know, Boston Tea Party. Nobody's going to rule over me. We're very independent. Uh, but this word rule is, is really important because as a Christian or a follower of Jesus, you are in a kingdom and there's a king on the throne. And so we come in our lives under the rulership, under the reign of Christ as king. And as a Christian, you have to get comfortable with this idea that you're not the top dog. Now, this is what's awesome about that is when you're not the top dog, you don't have to go fight the big battle. The king is responsible and in control of all things, okay? So this word rule, though, what does it mean? It means that there is a, an established reign of domination where there's no, uh, there's no questions being asked. It's like, this is what I said. This is what we're going to do. This is what happened. That's what rulership looks like. And that needs to be the way that it works in our thought life. Listen, Paul says as a direct imperative, as a command, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Okay, if he's telling us, telling the people in Philippi, and by extension telling us today, don't do this thing. Do not be anxious, okay? That is not a suggestion. He's not saying, you know, if you want to, you don't have to. No, he's saying, don't do this, right? And what is he saying here? He's saying it's possible to actually rule your thought life. Let's back up the words of Paul with the words of Jesus. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus says pretty much the exact same thing. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now, right now you're sitting there and you're listening to me and you're going, well, I am anxious about my life because of coronavirus. And I'm anxious about my life because if my kids don't get out of the house, if it doesn't stop raining, we're going to go to jail because there's going to be something going on, right? I know what's going on. We're in the same boat. There's a lot of things that cause anxiety. There's a lot of things that are causing fear and trepidation that are happening right now. And so where is this command coming from? Do not be anxious. Paul said it. Jesus said it. Okay. And I'm saying it. So man, you heard it from three sources today. You can buy into it, right? You like how I put myself in that, in that club, right? Isn't that awesome? That's how, when you get a really good quote from someone, you say, uh, a wise man once said, and then after you've said it a few times, you say, as I always say, right? And pretty soon you, you own it. It's yours. 
So Paul says it, don't be anxious. Jesus says it, don't be anxious. So what does that mean? It means it is absolutely possible to rule over your thoughts. In other words, you don't have to let those anxious thoughts, those worrying thoughts, those fearful thoughts that you're thinking about, even in the midst of real circumstances, run rampant and just run crazy through your uh, thoughts, through, through your mind. You don't have to do that. It is possible to actually get control of them. And here's the thing. If you can rule your thoughts, you can control your emotions. You see, where, where do most people go wrong? It's that they are emotionally guided, okay? Now, I know men, men kind of like to pull this chauvinistic card and act like, well, you know, women are emotional men. We're like purely rational beings. That is incorrect. I, I am a man and I met men in my life. And um, many men are actually very uh, irrational and emotional. It's not a gender thing, okay? So come on, ladies, I need to hear an amen there. Uh, this is a, a self-control thing. A fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. Many men and women are emotionally out of control and what that means is they just do whatever they feel like doing in the moment, okay? They're emotionally out of control. And the issue is that they actually need to get control of is their thought life. Because if you can control your thoughts, you can, if you can rule your thoughts, you can control your emotions. Isaiah 26, 3, from the Old Testament, the ancient prophet Isaiah prophesied about Jesus hundreds of years before Christ. And he says this message here in Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Your thought life needs to be fixed. Your thought life needs to be corrected. Your thought life needs to be aligned upon God because when you get it in the right spot and you begin to rule your thoughts, you'll begin to control your emotions and therefore your actions and your habits and everything on down the line will get better and better and better. You don't have to be controlled by worry and anxiety. You can have perfect peace. How do we do that? by getting our thoughts on God, okay? By fixing them, locking them on to him. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five, another letter from Paul. I know we're going all over the place today, <clears throat> excuse me, in this, but this is a good one. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five, <clears throat> he says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We need to get those little rampant, rebellious, disobedient thoughts and bring them and say, no, you are under the authority of Christ. You don't have the right or the freedom to just run rampant and just mess with my head. I'm bringing you your, this, every thought into captivity. That thought of anxiety, of worry, that, that fear of death, that fear of financial ruin, that anxiety that you are consumed with right now, it wants to just run rampant in your head and create havoc in your life. You see, even now we're starting to see on the news that people are doing very stupid things like hurting each other and stealing and doing crazy stuff. Why? Because of fear, irrational fear, gripping them and pushing them, getting a hold of their emotions. But the problem is because there's not control of the thought life. You've got to grab hold of that thought that wants to create havoc and catch it, okay? Grab a hold of it. And when you get that thought, when that thought of anxiety or fear or worry tries to take over your mind, here's what you need to do. Three steps, okay? Three steps to be able to rule your thought life. Number one, review it. Number two, refuse it. And number three, replace it, okay? Number one, review it. Number two, refuse it. Number three, replace it. What do I mean here? Okay, number one, review it. When a thought of worry that comes in or anxiety that begins to rise up, you feel your chest get tight and you go, do I have it? Do I have it? Right? You, that your chest gets tight. Oh no, this is going to happen to my family. Oh no, my job. Oh no, <clears throat> whatever it may be. 
you review that thought. You go, okay, hold on a second. Is this from God? Is this from God, the author and finisher of my faith, my father that loves me more than anything else? Is this from God who gave his son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins because he loves me? Is this from God who told me that my portion is peace and my inheritance is part of his kingdom as a son or daughter? Is this from him? You review it. And if it doesn't come into alignment with what God's uh, word is in you and on you and for you, then you do number two, you refuse it. You need to have a no shirt, no shoes, no service policy with worry and anxiety in your life. If it's not from God, it doesn't belong in your mind. If it's not from God's word, if it's not his prophetic destiny of love and grace and goodness over you, you can, you can take that thought and you can say, hey, I, I deny you today. I refuse you uh, occupancy. You do not get to take up residency in my brain rent free. Come on. You, you take it, you review it, and you say, man, is this from God's word? Is this, the, is this coming from a trusted voice of authority in my life? Is this from my, my pastor, my leader? Is this from uh, someone I, I trust and depend on? Or is this just irrational anxiety and fear coming from the enemy and just coming from circumstances? If it is, you refuse it. You say no. And then number three, you have to replace it, okay? So you review it, you refuse it. That's the wrong thought, but you can't leave an emptiness in your brain, although a lot of people are trying to prove me wrong right now. But you can just laugh at that in your own time. Um, But you can't just leave an empty place in your brain. Uh, Henry David Thoreau said this, that nature abhors a vacuum. Wherever there is a vacuum, wherever there is a space, it will get filled, okay? If you have a a hole that you dig in the ground, inevitably it's gonna get filled with water as the water table fills it in. Uh, Nature abhors a vacuum. In our minds, we, we have to have the right programming. There will be some thoughts that are running inside of your head, cycling inside of your head. And so it's not enough just to review and refuse. We also have to replace, meaning this. We have to get God's thoughts locked in to our mind. In the book of Romans, the apostle Paul talks about the way <clears throat> that God changes us. How, he, how does he transform us? He transforms us by changing the way that we think, Okay. What does that mean? It means there are new thoughts that are replacing the old ones. So here's how it works. You begin to get anxious. You begin to have worry. You begin to have this irrational fear. You review it. That's not from God. This can happen very quickly. I refuse it. I'm not going to like dwell on that. No, forget that. No, I refuse that. And then I replace it. Lord, what do you say about me? God, you said in Isaiah 26.3 that you'd keep me in perfect peace if I would keep my thoughts on you. So I'm going to keep my thoughts on you. God, Instead of thinking about fear and virus and watching the news, and if it bleeds, it leads, and all that nonsense, I'm going to begin to look at the God who is in control of everything. I'm going to begin to look at the Alpha and Omega. I'm going to look at the one who made all new things and will make all things new. I'm going to put my mind and my heart and my affection and my thoughts, and I'm going to lock on to him, and I'm going to do that whenever anxiety and fear comes until that is the program that runs in my head. This is good. I don't hear you amening, but I know you are because this is good stuff. You can review it, refuse it, replace it, rule your thought life. You'll control your emotions and it has a trickle down effect in your life. Really, really help you with worry and anxiety. Number two, we need to make prayer our first response, not our last resort. Remember, Paul says, hey, don't be anxious. And we talked about how to do that. With those three R's. But in everything, so he gives us another step here by prayer and supplication. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is just talking with God. People say, I don't know how to pray. Just talk to God. 
Tell God, hey, God, I'm worried about this stuff. God, I am going to kill my kids if I don't have your grace in my life and your Holy Spirit. God, help me with my spouse. God, help me with me. Help me with my thoughts. God, I'm talking to you. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is the pouring out of your heart to God, okay? It's acknowledging what you're going through, not denying it. This is the thing that many people think about Christianity that is a myth, which is, oh, you people that are Christians, you just believe in this invisible sky fairy God, Santa Claus God. He just gives you whatever you want when you want it. And basically it can make you feel better, but it's not reality. No, 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 no. And you're not denying or living in fantasy or, or an illusion or delusion. You believe God is real, right? And you're acknowledging there's a real situation, but you're also acknowledging the fact that there's a real God, Okay. You're not denying the fear, not denying the anxiety-causing circumstances, but you are acknowledging God in this place. And so it's acknowledging what you're going through, not denying it, but talking to God about it. And then Paul says this word supplication. This is asking God for what you need. So literally, as we have this conversational prayer relationship with God, we also have a supplicant uh, uh, come to God as a supplicant to ask him, say, here's my supplications. These are my requests, what I need. Uh, I'm asking you, God, to take care of me. I'm asking you to take care of my family through this time. God, I'm asking you to bring um, health and, and wholeness and a, and a lifting of this. We're asking God, and this is absolutely how we should respond when we get worried, when we're afraid. We make prayer our first response, not our last resort. Because what do we do when we get scared? Oh my gosh, I, I was a little bit short of breath when I went up the stairs. It can't be the 30 years of donuts I've eaten. It has to be coronavirus. And so we immediately go on WebMD, shortness of breath, Corona, I have it, right? And then we call nine people and we tweet it out and we do a thread about our, our coronavirus experience. You didn't have coronavirus. You had too much Chick-fil-A. Like, let's be honest, you know, that's what really happened, okay? But we make, all joking aside, we turn to every source of comfort, every source of information before God, and that should be the opposite of that. We should turn to him first, okay? Number three, We need to then unleash the power of praise. And I've been waiting to say this. You got to unleash the Kraken. There is something so powerful about being a person of praise that responds to worry and anxiety with something that is so off the beaten path, so off the reservation, so out of left field that literally all worry and anxiety just crumbles in the face of it. What is it? How do you unleash the Kraken? You unleash praise in the face of fear. And this is a secret that you see men and women of God through the, through the years in the scriptures and also in church history that they do this crazy thing where when everything gets really screwed up and really messy, rather than sort of like panicking and running around and chicken littling it and the sky is falling, they do this crazy thing. They just begin to thank God and praise God. And all of a sudden God's presence shows up and things change. And it's a powerful thing. And if you can get your thoughts under control and you can turn to God in prayer and have a real relationship, you can also unleash the Kraken. You can praise God in the midst of fear and in the midst of crisis. And it's so powerful. Thanksgiving is gratitude, thankfulness, and praise. When Paul says, do all things, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, okay? Then the peace of God is going to come It's going to guard you. It surpasses all understanding. How do you invite the supernatural power of God into your circumstances? How do you use this power tool to beat worry and anxiety? You praise God. And last week I told you the story in Acts chapter 16 about Paul and Silas, where they were literally chained onto their backs, laying on the floor of this prison, this super dark place 
and it's midnight, uh, and, and they start singing and praising God. You know, you look insane when everybody is freaking out and you're thanking God. You look like a crazy person. You look totally abnormal. But I want to ask you this question. Do you want normal results or abnormal ones? If everybody is doing something and getting the same result and you do the same thing, you're going to get the same result. So what's actually more intelligent and what's actually more rational is to do the opposite of what everyone is doing and do the thing that taps you into the supernatural power of God. Come on. If everybody's freaked out and afraid and getting caught up in worry and anxiety and you jump onto that train, you're going to the same destination. But if instead, in the midst of trouble and crisis, you go, man, I'm afraid for my money. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give. I'm afraid for my family, so I'm going to praise. I'm scared about this virus, so I'm going to declare that Christ is my physician and my healer. I'm worried about what's going to happen in the world with the economy. So instead of getting all bummed out and depressed and reading all the articles that say the exact same thing, hey, things aren't good right now. I just gave you all the news reports you'll read today. Things aren't very good right now. You're welcome, right? They should hire me, pay me a commission. All the news, I mean, I just saw, I did all their job for them. They were going to do it with a lot more words I did it in like five words. Okay, things are bad right now. There's your news report. Okay, so you can go the same direction as everybody else or you can make a decision. Man, I'm gonna tune into a different kingdom. I'm gonna tune into a different wavelength and I'm gonna praise God in the midst of this. Man, I like this preaching. This is good. I, just, I gotta encourage myself, right? Because we're a limited group here. We're social distancing. So I'm just encouraging myself. So Paul and Silas, they're praising in Acts 16, 4. And God shows up in this miraculous way. The, the, there's an earthquake. There's this shaking and all the doors fly open and the chains of every prisoner fall off. Why? Because praise invites the presence of God. God is like magnetically drawn to the praises of his people. It's like uh, my kids have some magnets and they're always like, dad, watch this. And it never gets old. You know, pop as the magnets come together. The, the unfortunate part is when your finger's in the middle and that happens. When we praise God, it's like this magnetic draw. He shows up. And when God shows up, things change. Things get broken loose. There's breakthrough. There's freedom. And everything good happens in the presence of God. The closeness of God, the presence of God is your best defense. Who do you want close to you right now in the midst of trouble? Who do you want in your corner? You want some, uh, somebody from WebMD who wrote an article, some stupid blog seven years ago that isn't even about your thing? Like, come on, people. Or do you want the living God, the God of heaven and earth in your corner, in the living room with you? Do you who do you want with you in the midst of crisis? And you can get God to show up when you praise. He comes and responds. And then God's peace, as Paul says in Philippians, it guards our hearts and our minds. So literally, you not only beat back worry, you then fortress yourself, you buttress yourself against it. People are laughing. He said the word, but oh, no, it's a real word. Look it up. You build a stronghold of peace around yourself, around your heart and your mind when you unleash the power of praise. Psalm 23, 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Why can the psalmist say that I can walk through literally the valley of the shadow of death and have no fear of evil because of who is with him, who is with them in this moment? You're with me, God. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Hebrews 13, 6. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. This is the response to this message. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Jesus said it. Paul said it. Pastor Jake said it today, right? Don't be anxious. Don't worry. 
This is what in Hebrews 13, 6 is the response to this. We can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. I will do what you're saying. I won't be anxious. What can man do to me? Right? If, if God is for you, who can be against you? If he's in your corner, who can oppose you? Psalm 16, verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I just want to tell you, things are bad, right? There's the news report. There's some bad stuff going on. But for me and for anybody that really is a follower of Jesus, it's really not that bad. You know, every morning when I wake up and I pray and I get into the word of God, I still have this intimacy with the Holy Spirit, this intimacy with God, where everything that is happening right now in life, it just gets pretty small and shrinks down because every mountain is a molehill to God. And when he shows up and you get, a, you get a glimpse of his glory and his power and his majesty and his beauty, everything else fades in comparison and you can be full of joy. What gives a Christian the ability to laugh ah, in the face of danger, right? I just laugh like a bad guy, I think, you know, the guy that puts people on the railroad tracks. Ah, what gives you the ability to laugh and be full of joy in the midst of crisis? It's the presence of God. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. As we finish up today, I want to read you one last passage of scripture, 1 John chapter 4. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. In verse 18, so there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. How do you win against worry and anxiety? You rule your thought life, you make prayer your first response, not your last resort, and you unleash the power of praise. But what do these things all connect to? It's not something that you're necessarily all doing. You know, you're the superhero in the story. No, the real superhero in the story is the fact that you have a God that loves you. He's your heavenly father. He dearly loves you. And when you invite him in, when you get rid of the wrong thoughts and you get the right ones in, what's happening? You're inviting him in. When you make prayer your first response instead of your last resort, what are you doing? You're inviting him in. And when you praise in the midst of crisis, what are you doing? You're inviting God in. And he loves you so much, such perfect love that nothing can separate you from, that it drives out fear. You see, it's kind of like oil and water. When God shows up, there is no fear or anxiety. When God shows up, there is no crisis too big or too scary or whatever. God is not intimidated by our problems, but we need to invite him into our circumstance, invite him in, and his perfect love drives out all fear. That's how you beat worry. That's how you beat anxiety. Let me pray for you today. Lord, I pray that as we respond and receive this message today, Lord, that we would not let it go in one ear and out the other, but Lord, that we would take it to heart and we would put it into action and we would realize, Lord, this is true. I, I want to invite you in and let your perfect love drive out fear. Lord, I pray for everybody that's watching this live or on a replay that, Lord, right now by your Holy Spirit, you would begin to lift and break these uh, assaults of anxiety and worry. Lord, the, the, the crippling fear and anxiety and worry that comes, even as we respond to real circumstances, and Lord, let your peace come in its place. I pray that each of us, Lord, would do these steps, that we would look into our thought life and go, man, I need to get control here by the Spirit of God. I need to take control and review and refuse and replace. I need to pray stay connected with God, my lifeline, and I need to praise even in the midst of crisis. Lord, we thank you that you are on the move. I pray for everybody today that you would encourage them and be with them in Jesus' name. Amen.
Now, real quick before we go, every single week, people tune in to Joy Church Online or when we have live services, come to the building looking for hope, looking for life, looking for answers. And maybe you right now are listening to me and you're going, you know what? I need a relationship with Christ. Like I haven't even taken that first step. So Pastor Jake, a lot of the things you're talking about are really cool, but how do I get into the game? And the reality is all you have to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus. Now, when we talk about putting our faith in Jesus and trusting in him and believing in Jesus, it's not just something you do with your mind. It actually means that you give him your allegiance. He becomes your Lord and Savior. You make a decision, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to follow his commands, and I'm going to give him my life, put my trust in him, so that his payment that he gave at the cross for my sins becomes the, the thing, right? That his payment is what I receive on, on my behalf, and I don't trust in anything else. Uh, I don't trust in anything else in life but the grace of Christ. So you can make that decision right now today. You can make that decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus and follow him as your Lord and Savior. So if that's you, would you just pray this prayer with me? And I'm going to pray it, and then you can kind of repeat it for yourself. Dear Jesus, I confess my sin to you. I know that I have not lived up to your perfect standard, but I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be right with you. I give you my life, all the good, all the bad, and I put my faith and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well, hey guys, it's been so good to be with you. You can respond today if you made that decision. If you uh, want to get connected with Joy Church or you made a decision to follow Christ today, we've got links there on the descriptions or you can go to joyeugene.com and you can do an I Have Decided card or a Welcome Home card. We want to help you take the journey. You guys, will see you this week online. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.